You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The 2020 NFL Draft is in the books. Ten new players are now draftees of the New York Giants joining the roster and adding to the competition of multiple position groups. Tons of linebackers, offensive linemen, and defensive backs are now going to be the future of this Giants roster under the head coaching regime of Joe Judge. I'm Joe DeLeon here with Chris Plum on the Chris and Joe Show, presented to you by SB Nation and Big Blue View. On today's episode, we're going to be breaking down the full class for you after we give you our quick hits, our 15-minute breakdowns after each day to fill you in on who was taken and what they are as prospects. Today, we're going to go a little bit deeper than that, talking about the various positives and negatives, as well as pitching some of our favorite and least favorite draft picks during the 2020 draft. First up, Chris, the positives from this draft class. We can't avoid talking about what was great about this class, something we, we did during the season, always trying to find the positive in, in, in any situation. And I think that the big positive here, Chris, was that there was such a huge emphasis on adding an array of talent at offensive line and linebacker. And it wasn't just, let's take one guy and hope that he is a developmental piece and can work his way in. Instead, they took multiple players, three offensive linemen, four linebackers with an intent of, if this guy doesn't work out, he'll be more of a special teamer, but maybe we can work this other player in. It was trying to get as many pieces at these positions of need as possible. And while some people were complaining about it at a bit, I think the approach is actually very intelligent. Yeah, I do like that the Giants were able to, well, hopefully able to get off the offensive line hamster wheel. Yeah, they are clearly taking the shotgun approach with linebackers and just throwing a bunch of guys at the position and really seeing who sticks. But with the offensive line, they've got they've got an immediate starter in Andrew Thomas. They've got a hopefully developmental player in Matt Peart and a player who could be their starting center in Shane Lemieux or possibly their next guard if they decide to move on from Kevin Zeitler after this season or possibly next season. So they have a, a pipeline of talent that they really haven't had in recent years. And that does put the uh, the onus on the Giants coaches to develop those players and get them ready to start. But the players are there. Yeah, the players are finally there. And it seems like over the past few drafts, even further than that, we've constantly been saying, well, when are they going to start investing capital at the offensive line position? Last year, they only took one guy at the very end, and that was Big George. And besides that, really, nothing else has really been done. It's been a lot of undrafted free agents, signing guys in free agency, and a number of them haven't worked out. And then the trade for Kevin Zeitler, the only real notable 
guy that they've drafted over the past recent years was Will Hernandez, who is a starting guard on this offensive line. So finally, the the approach has been, let's take a bunch of guys. We can start Andrew Thomas right away at left or right tackle, depending on how comfortable him or Nate Solder are going to be. We'll have to see what ends up being the, the decision there. But then you get Matt Pert, who is more of a developmental prospect that's going to sit for a little bit and take some time to grow because he is a hair raw despite having very light feet, very good length to play the tackle position. And then also going and getting Shane Lemieux, and you talked about where he can fit as a center or a guard. And the, and the thing I look at here is you have three guys, and hypothetically, if, even if only one of them hits and the second one ends up being you know, a decent quality player and, and the third is primarily a backup, I think that's still a really good uh, draft here because you're at least taking more shots and hoping you can get as much out of it as possible. And hypothetically, you don't get three starters out of it. At the very least, if you can turn it into two, I think that's a very, very decent approach. Now, as far as the linebackers go, the four that were taken, nothing too glamorous, but they were all taken in the sixth round or later. This is a little bit more throwing the you know what you can at the wall and seeing what sticks and see who can really stick around. But I think a majority of them are probably going to be special teams players, and maybe one or two of them don't even make the roster. Yeah, that is that really does seem to be the Giants' approach at linebacker, and they've tried it at, at other positions before. They've tried it at defensive back. They've kind of tried it with offensive line. They're currently trying it with the center position they've got after the draft Dave Gettleman said they believe they've got four candidates to play center with uh John Jalapio Spencer Pulley Shane Lemieux and Nick Gates you know we'll see who of any of them are able to secure the job really it seems like right now the Giants are trying a quantity approach to finding the guys to fill out their linebacking core now with any draft class there's obviously going to be negatives in, in their approach because there are still position of needs outside of offensive line, defensive back, and linebacker. There, there's not This roster isn't perfect right now just from filling those needs. There's still maybe depth pieces at various position groups that could have been filled or even starters sought out for other position groups. So as far as negatives go, we really thought that it was a bit – Concerning that they didn't take any receivers at any point, despite this being historic receiver class, and then also not even really taking any pure pass rushers. There were guys that were listed as edge prospects, being Carter Coughlin, uh, being one of them, which was taken in the seventh round. But besides that, there's there was no high draft capital spent on that. So it, it seems like it's going to be yet another year where we're going to be without a premier pass rusher and we're going to have to essentially wait until next season and next off season to sign someone or draft someone unless hypothetically they go out and get Jadavion Clowney or Yannick Ngakwe. Yeah. And, and that would require some cap and roster maneuvering on behalf on the giants part. And unless the prices for those guys come down, it, I think we should probably regard that as a pleasant surprise rather than a, uh, a workable plan at this point. And yeah, this kind of is the opposite side of the coin to their approach with the offensive line and linebackers. The Giants spent 10 draft picks on three positions. So that means they were staying away from 
the the offensive skill positions, wide receiver, tight end, running back. And they also really didn't get any pass rushers. And we had identified those as two needs before the draft. And they are still needs. They are positions that where the depth is questionable. And also, you know, we kind of can't be too sure that the Giants have the players they need at the top of the depth chart either. No, and I think that's the real big thing here with the edge is that yet again, there's not real much pass rush that we can really guarantee. It's going to be coming from coming from the interior. Maybe you can use Kyler Fackrell to tee off in some ways and get, and be productive with the help of the defensive line. But the additionally, though, I just I think that the receiver group that it wasn't needing a receiver. They could have drafted one early, but you would have thought that they would have at least taken somebody to add a piece with a, a historic draft class. They could have taken somebody within the rounds five through seven or even four through seven and potentially have gotten a guy that could be a starter, that could be a third or a fourth receiver. Golden Tate's not going to be around for very much longer. Sterling Shepard is not a young player anymore. He's on the younger side, but he's not a second or third year player anymore. He's been in this league for a a decent amount of time now. And that really leaves the only receiver we can talk about as the, the future of the receiving group is Darius Slayton. And while he was very productive in his, his first year with the giants, you can't really put everything on him and assume that he's going to turn into a superstar. He's a very talented player, but they still could have added some additional receivers to just add some competition and some depth. And it seems like that they're really just banking on what they have with Corey Coleman and that he, he's going to be that, that fourth guy coming in. Yeah, and Coleman is coming off an ACL injury, and even though he was a first-round receiver, he never really lived up to that draft pedigree. I kind of feel like the Giants are really rolling the dice with the wide receiver position, especially considering Sterling Shepard's history with those concussions, because that was scary when it was happening. But also, concussions kind of make you more susceptible to future concussions, Hopefully the Giants running game will be able to carry them. Yeah, maybe that was the approach. Get as many big bodies as they can along this offensive line and just run the ball 30 times a game. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of funny. The rest of the NFL is engaging in an arms race. The Las, Las Vegas Raiders, I almost said Oakland, Raiders are drafting just about every receiver they can. And the rest of the NFL isn't too far behind. And there are the Giants drafting linemen and say, we're going to run the ball. Hey, that worked for Jason Garrett for a period of time with Ezekiel Elliott. Maybe that is going to be the approach going forward offensively, and it seems like all signs are possibly pointing in that direction. We've got a couple more superlatives here, breaking down what we thought were our best and also least favorite picks from this draft class. But before we get to them, we're going to take a very short commercial break. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. 
Real Traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Chris, this was a pretty good draft class overall. I think we could both agree here. We talked about how they addressed certain positions of need, being the linemen, being the linebackers. What do you think was was the best pick? What do you think? What was your favorite pick out of this draft class? And the and the, one, the guy that I think you're going to go with here is not the the most easy to guess. No, I'm actually going to go for what I think was the best value of the draft class, and that's Carter Coughlin, a linebacker edge out of Minnesota, who's drafted in the seventh round. I kind of had Coughlin pegged as about a fifth rounder. So I feel like the Giants got a really good value there. I think of their late picks, he is the guy I feel most confident about saying he he'll stick with the main roster. He won't get they won't try to sneak him through to the practice squad. At the very least I think he'll be a good special teamer and I do think that if he can translate trans eh, if he can transition to more of an off-ball linebacker role where you know, he plays in space is sent as a blitzer i do think he can carve out a spot for himself on the defense my favorite pick was andrew thomas and the way that i look at it is i know a lot of people were upset that they took thomas over beckton Werfs, wills because they thought that the other guys had more upside and we even kind of talked about how he wasn't the the best available tackle but he's still a good tackle that can step in and play right away and is more of the safer selection and the way i look at it here is that you spent that early draft pick on fixing the one thing that has always been an issue and that is the left tackle or even also right tackle position depending on where he plays so you're getting a guy that can step in and start you're going to get a guy that is probably going to contribute for a very long time if he lives up to his potential and being capable of what he can do. While I really, really wanted Isaiah Simmons, I think that this uh, uh, Andrew Thomas pick is going to be a positive one for the future. He will be around for a very long time, and he will help this offensive line, this offensive group, continue to grow and improve around an offense that has a developing young quarterback and an extremely talented top five running back in Saquon Barkley. Now they need to, in the future drafts, go and get some more receivers. Go and get guys that once Golden Tate is done that can take over and draft those players in the early rounds. We'll see if they end up doing that or not, but that's really what it's going to take for this offense to take the final step. The approach this year was building from the ground up with the offensive line. Chris, who was your least favorite pick? Who was somebody that you were a bit questioning that didn't think needed to be a New York Giant? Yeah, I, I have to go back a few months and go with Leonard Williams. You know, we kind of can't ignore that the Giants didn't have their natural third round pick. And that is because the New York Jets were making that pick because the Giants sent Leonard Williams there. And you know, we were confused about that trade at the time. And Williams hasn't really paid off for the Giants. He had he was able to generate pressure and get quarterback hits, but he only had half a sack. He only had a what, one tackle for a loss. And he was on the field for three quarters of the Giants' defensive plays. 
he did help the Giants run defense, but it's not like it was bad before he got there. He didn't transform it. So he's taking away from a player who could, should be a young building block piece for hopefully the next four years and on a very affordable contract and replacing it with a guy who we know who he is. Maybe Patrick Graham will be able to get a little bit more out of him, get a little bit more of what he thought he might be coming out of USC. But you know, it, it's not like Todd Bowles is a bad defensive mind. He is one of the better defensive minds in the NFL he didn't get much out of Leonard Williams. And then there's also the financial side of it. He's going to be paid somewhere between 16 and $18 million this year. That is a heck of a lot more than a third round con than a third round contract, even a high third round contract. Yeah. And it's interesting that you use that perspective here. And I think that nobody was really expecting you to go in that direction, but it makes a ton of sense. They had to trade for Leonard Williams. They gave up a third round draft pick that they could have used on a ton of available guys on the board. We were sitting during the third round and conversing with one another after the draft and saying that like all these guys were on the board early on in the third round. They could have taken them, but because the Giants didn't have a pick until the end of the third round, they missed out on those opportunities. Now I I like the Matt Pert pick, which we're going to get to in a second, but I think that they missed out on potential to get guys like Zach Bond if they still had that early third round pick. They could have traded up into the second maybe to take some of these receivers. It's just the price tag on Leonard Williams to trade for him and then sign and keep him is not really justified by the the end of the means. Now, my least favorite draft selection that I not that I I don't want him on the Giants roster. I was just disappointed in where they took this guy and and who else was was very well available and that was TJ Brunson uh, linebacker out of South Carolina and now I think that Brunson could serve very well as a backup linebacker and contribute on special teams but the way that I just look at this is that they took two straight linebackers in in Cam Brown and Carter Coughlin, Carter Coughlin in round six and then round seven to go with a third straight linebacker to me was just a little bit verbose at this point. It was a little bit redundant. They're just continually adding linebackers in the seventh round. And then they went on and added another one with Mr. Irrelevant at pick 255. I was really, really hoping here would have been the selection of a linebacker because, or not a linebacker, rather, a, a wide receiver. That This was where I was really hoping for them to take one. And I we talked about at the beginning of the show how talented this receiver group was and how historically deep it was. I think that was the time to take an under-the-radar player that could have developed into a nice final piece for this receiving group. Instead, they took a, a third linebacker and then eventually a fourth. I think it really needed to be capped at the second one after they took Carter Coughlin. Yeah, the, yeah I was really hoping the Giants would take Derek Tuska out of North Dakota State at this point. In fact, I was kind of hoping they'd take Tuska at the top of the seventh round when they got Carter Coughlin. Tuska, he's still a little bit raw, but he's an athletic edge rusher. He, you know, he constantly showed up on tape for NDSU, and he wound up going 254 just before the Giants drafted Tay Crowder at the very end of the draft. So I'm not sure you can rightfully hate a seventh round pick or even really dislike you know dislike it because it's really just securing a guy you had as a priority free agent but i would have liked 
to see them grab a guy like Tuska at that point. Yeah, Tuska was another guy who was on the board and ended up getting drafted by the Denver Broncos at the very end of the seventh round. So that two other potential directions for them to go in and then they they passed up on it to take another linebacker now I'm really hoping Brunson turns into a really good player and I'm hoping all these players work out I was just hoping for them to go receiver and it it's almost the the my logic here is that you had enough guys you took enough linebackers why not go in another position uh direction with this with a position selection here but for our most underrated selection who we think will turn out to be a really good player, has a lot of potential. I think we're both here in agreement on who it is, and that is Matt Pert, offensive tackle from UConn. Pert was a guy we had kind of been keeping an eye on throughout the draft process. He has really exciting physical traits, athletic ability, those long arms, good height. Jim Nagy of the Senior Bowl compared him to Brickishaw Ferguson. To me, he kind of looks like Will Beattie. Either way you go, that's a good comp a good ceiling to have and getting him at the end of the third round you know i think both of us probably would have preferred a natural center at that position but the giants do have a developmental tackle a guy who can take over as their right tackle probably as early as next year assuming he can clean up his technique issues build that real solid nfl strength base he doesn't have yet but if you can get a seamless transition to a long-term starting tackle with a third-round pick that may as well be a fourth-round pick, that's some good value. Yeah, great value here. And Parrott was considered to be a, a bit of a sleeper in the in the third round, a developmental guy. And I talked about earlier, very light feet, really good length. And I think that he's a bit more of a natural left tackle than Andrew Thomas might be and so maybe if he develops into the right into that into that potential he could step in at left tackle maybe you keep Andrew Thomas at right tackle just in terms of of how these guys fit as prospects but regardless I think Parrott is going to eventually be a starter I think he has a lot of really really interesting traits that make him high upside and in a position to start for this Giants team not next season but maybe in the next two or three depending on where Nate Solder lies and if he sticks around for the future. Chris, for the wrap-up of today's show, we wanted to talk about which NFC East team did the best talking outside of the Giants. And just looking at all these classes we were talking about before the show that a lot of these teams did really well. They they drafted strongly, they filled needs, they went and grabbed a lot of talented guys, but in my opinion, and I think that you can agree with me here, maybe you, you disagree slightly, that the Cowboys had the best draft class. They they managed to select a ton of guys that had one to thir- third round grades on them. They took they managed to get CeeDee Lamb in the first. They took Trevon Diggs in the second. Then they got Neville Gallimore in the third, who some considered to be a first rounder. Uh, Reggie Robinson, the second from uh, from Tulsa in the fourth round, was about where he he made sense. Tyler B. Oddish was their fourth round selection, who we were hoping in the second or third round for the Giants. And then lastly, Bradley Anai, who again was a guy for a lot of people was graded as a second to third round prospect, sliding all the way to the fifth round. It seems like they just sat and waited comfortably until they landed with the perfect players in their lap. And that started immediately with C.D. Lamb falling all the way to 17. Yeah, the Cowboys, and I hate to say this, the Cowboys had a really good draft, and they had a 
a Baltimore Ravens type draft. They just sat still and let the other teams make their picks, make their reaches, and they just sat there and took the value as it fell to them. C.D. Lamb go, going into that offense, which is now going to be masterminded by Mike McCarthy, that is scary because we saw over the last year and a half the impact that Amari Cooper had on Dak Prescott and how Cooper's presence really allowed Prescott to play like a top five quarterback. And it also allowed Ezekiel Elliott to be a more consistent runner because defenses just cannot justify putting eight men in the box anymore. Well, now they've got Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb. And Lamb is a perfect fit for this offense because not only is he a good route runner, he is ridiculous at creating after the catch. And that is what the Mike McCarthy style of West Coast offense wants to do. You know, the Giants had a variation on that for four years with Ben McAdoo, and we saw what Odell Beckham was able to do with the ball in his hands after the catch. So that is... Yeah, that's a pick the universe should not have allowed to happen. And then, you know, Trevin Diggs, he should be a good replacement for Byron Jones. Neville Gallimore, Gary, as an interior rusher, he is just way too quick. And he is going to be giving guards and centers headaches at the NFL level. Tyler Biotis was a guy we were targeting in the second round. To get him as a, a compensatory pick in the fourth round is... That is potentially one of the steals of the draft. Dallas had an annoyingly good good day. To me, I think the most interesting draft might have belonged to the Philadelphia Eagles. And that's because of Jalen Hurts. Now, I, I think people know by now I'm a big I'm a big fan of Jalen Hurts. And I think there actually is a scenario in which the Eagles didn't waste their second round pick, a scenario where they weren't just investing their second round pick to flip him for future picks. I think there's a legitimate scenario where Jalen Hurts is their their starting quarterback before his rookie contract is up because Carson Wentz does have an out after his after the 2021 season. And you know, he has been injured and Really, the only time the Eagles have won anything, it was with Nick Foles as their quarterback. So as good as Carson Wentz is, when he is good and when he is healthy, he hasn't really been that real consistently. So having Jalen Hurts gives the Eagles an athletic quarterback with a good arm. He might not be a great arm, but it's good. Well above this, I don't know, kind of made up floor of adequate that dropped Jake from down off the table. It also gives them a quarterback who can run around and a guy who is extremely well regarded as a worker and as a leader and who has intangibles just through the roof. So yeah, I, I think it's a pick that could wind up paying serious dividends for the Eagles and giving them a starting quarterback on a rookie contract in short order. Yeah, it's a little bit frustrating to, to see all these teams do really well too, and it, it feels kind of crazy to 
talk up and support these other franchises in the in the conference that are rivals of the Giants. But if you're just looking at the competition level of these teams, they all got better as well as the Giants did. And it's going to take seeing what the 2020 season has in store. But I think out of any team's draft class in the NFC East, the, the Cowboys managed to get a ton of starters. They're going to get a lot of those guys that I named there as, as contributors for a, a ton of playing time for that team, especially on that defense. That's going to be it for us folks here on the Chris and Joe show. Thank you for tuning in as always. Be sure to rate and subscribe wherever you are listening to us and follow us on social media at big blue view. You can follow me at Joe DeLeon. You can follow Chris at Raptor M K I I also be sure to tune in later on in the week as we continue our NFL draft breakdown, analyzing everything you need to know about this Giants draft class and the team going forward for the future. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the <laughs> No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.